All right, guys, good morning. Three Circle Church and all of our campuses joining us right now online and uh, all over our region. So we're really glad to be together today, and we're going to continue the uh, hymns series. We're looking at a beautiful hymn today, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Now, who wrote this song, and what's the story behind this song? Well, as you've seen, as we look at these, some of these are heroic stories behind the songs, like that of uh, St. Patrick and Be Thou My Vision, but then many of these songs were born out of tragedy. Many of them were born out of really hard things. This is one of those songs. Joseph Scriven wrote this song uh, over years of dealing with tragedy. So Joseph was a young Christian man who was also very successful in the business world. He was in England. He moved to Ireland, made a bunch of money. Good Christian man. He falls in love. And his fiancée, the night before their wedding, gets sick and dies. The night before his wedding. So in shock, obviously, he says, you know, I'm going to get a new start. He moves to Canada. Again, doing great. Successful everywhere he goes. Falls in love again. During the engagement, his second fiance gets sick and dies. Tragedy. This was in the early 1800s. And so after that, this man who loved the Lord... Uh, through prayer, decided that he would take a vow of poverty. He felt like God was leading him to do that. Even though he was very wealthy, he took a personal vow of poverty, gave everything he had away, continued making money, and continued giving it away. That's what he did with his life. So much so that years later when his mom, who he was very close to, still in Europe, when his mom got sick on her deathbed, he could not travel to her because he had given everything he had away. And so what he could do is write to her, and he wrote her a letter and kept a copy of what he wrote her And the words to the song that you just heard at all the campuses, much of those words were a part of that letter that he wrote to his mother. On his own deathbed later on in the later 1800s, a friend came to visit him and found the words to the song. In his lifetime, he never knew that this song ever went beyond his own home and his own mother. But it became a song that is now beloved, that we sing all over the world for the ages, and it was born out of his own tragedy. And in this song, he talks about friendship with Jesus, which is an amazing concept, and we're going to find out today it's a biblical concept. And when the friend on his deathbed found the words, he said, who wrote these beautiful words? And here was Joseph's quote that his friend told everyone. I wrote that with Jesus. I wrote those words with my friend Jesus. He found Jesus to be incredible and an incredible friend. Now, friendship's a big deal. It's a big deal to me. I grew up in the 90s with the show Friends. Right? So no one told you life was going to be this way. There you go. All right. And there's my people. Friends. I grew up, thankfully, having friendship modeled for me. My granddad was, and my grandmother were big, big friend people. They just had friends, and they were always coming around, and, and my grandfather had his buddies, and we had a houseboat. We grew up with a houseboat on the Pascagoula River, all right? And all of his buddies had houseboats on this section of the river, so on the weekends, we'd go to the houseboat. And he'd wake me up really, I, I still wake up early because I grew up with a grandfather who did not believe people should sleep past the time the sun, you, you should beat the sun getting up. That was his motto. And so he'd wake me up as a little boy and we would get it, there'd be, I, all of this is in my mind, still fog on the river, 
It's a country song, man. I grew up, I'm a, I lived a country song. And so we get in his boat, and we're not talking about the boat y'all have. You get in with your steering wheel, place your Yeti cooler, all that. No, 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 no. Uh, this boat, the engine had a stick on it that you steered with, okay? It was called an Evan Rouge. He'd crank it up with a rope, not a button. And I can still hear him cranking that thing up. We would go houseboat to houseboat early in the morning to visit his buddies. We'd tie up and sit in the boat and talk to him on the porch. And if they weren't up, my granddad thought if you weren't up, he'd help you with that. So I've watched him a million times walk around a houseboat beating on the windows until his buddy walked out and he'd say, where's the coffee? So his friend would have to go make a pot of coffee. And so for a couple of hours, we, that's what we do. And I sat there and watched as a kid, my grandfather, uh, tell stories with his buddies. First time I ever saw a man smoke a pipe. Uh, one of his good buddies would sit there and smoke a pipe and it had cherry tobacco. And I remember as a little kid going, that smells so good. And he looked so cool with that pipe. <laughs> and they would tell stories and they would laugh. And I thought, There's, that's what friendship. My grandmother, Barbara Jean, she used to chew gum a lot, all right? And I always knew when her friend was getting, we would know when her friends were coming over, she'd start smacking her gum. We all knew it. She was getting excited. She'd just chewing that gum. She was so excited that her friends were coming, okay? And it's just a part of life. I just saw friendship and how much they valued it and how much they made time for it and what a part of their lives it was, what a joy it brought them, okay? And so I had friends my whole life. I'm a gregarious guy, but you don't have to be gregarious personality-wise to have great friendships, but, but, but it was a part of my life, and I love my friends, and I just want to show you all some of my buddies. This is the eighth grade, and those are my two best friends back then, and we had just escorted some lovely ladies in the local pageant. And, uh, and that's, my, that's me on the left, and that's my buddy Andy in the middle, and that's my buddy Jade on the right. We were best friends all through school. And uh, they were awesome and hilarious. And, and to show you what knuckleheads we were, we're trying to pull off the see no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil, and we can't even get that right, as you can see. Um, Andy famously, so my first truck was a yellow Ford F-150 built the year I was born, 1977. Still had a little button on the bottom of the floor that you could do your brights with. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Yes, sir. Get about four and a half miles to the gallon. Tank. You could run over trees with it. I know this from experience. That's a whole other story. Um, and one day the three of us were late for basketball practice and we were in the truck, which everyone affectionately at my school had called Old Yeller by the movie. It was old, yeah, it was a yellow. It was a yellow truck. And we fly into the high school parking lot, and the passenger door on this old truck never did shut right. And I threw Andy, the middle guy, I threw him out of the truck. Because he was an incredible athlete, and luckily it was grass, and he literally rolled on the grass, and I thought, we've killed Andy. That's what Jade said. I think, well, I think he just killed Andy. And then Andy comes running, he jumps in the truck, he says, I'm good. And we just go to practice like it never happened. I love those guys. They were my, watch this, they were my friends. We were friends. But today, we're not talking about our friendships as much. We're going to talk about something far more astounding. Today, we're going to talk about friendship with Jesus. That Jesus actually invites us to be friends. I'm going to show you that's a biblical concept today, and it's supposed to bring us joy. In fact, let me give you a statement. We're going to kind of work from this statement, and it's this. Jesus is the king who wants to be a friend to his followers. It's very important that you have both those things in mind. Because if you're not careful, you'll fall on one side or the other of a false dichotomy that we've set up. 
Because some of us major on King Jesus to the exclusion of friend Jesus, and then others of us major on friend Jesus to the exclusion of King Jesus, and that's a choice that you don't have to make, and even more importantly, you should not make and must not make. Now, I've, I've, my life, my history in Christianity, my, my, I'm 45, I, I'm not great with math, but I became a Christian at 12, so however long that makes me being a Christian, okay? Long time. Uh, that's how a words guy deals with uh, math. Been a long time. But in my time in Christianity, I grew up in a church that led me to Jesus. But we majored in some ways on friend Jesus, I realize. And, and there's good in that. There's, there's nothing innately wrong with that. But we kind of majored on intimate relationship with Jesus and friendship with Jesus. And I'm grateful for that. But then I began to study formally theology and began to be introduced to beautiful, rich theology. And much of what I began to learn was about King Jesus. And, and rightfully so, by the way. And what happens with humans is we're just not good at this thing called equilibrium, are we? So we kind of swing the pendulum back and forth, okay? And so what I've realized is, watch this. If you major on King Jesus and you don't have friends, you major on King Jesus, you get all of his authority but no affection. Now watch this. Why is that a problem? Because there's been through history people who did what King said, obeyed the king, but they hated him. You don't have to love a king to obey him. You can begrudgingly obey a king that you despise. That if you could kill him, you would. But there's been... History is loaded with bad kings, but the people did exactly what they said to do. Why? Because he had the power. So you begrudgingly acquiesced to the wishes of the wicked king because he could take your head off, right? Off with the head. So we know, hey, don't mess with the king. But that's not what Christianity is. So what you get is you, you, could, you could try your best to obey Jesus just because you're like, yeah, he's God, he's powerful, and not love him. Well, the Bible doesn't want you to do that. So... That's problematic. Now, there's also major problems with, with friend Jesus being exclusive and not, and not having him as king. Because if he's just your friend, and there's a lot of that going on in the modern church, because we decided somewhere along the way, King Jesus is offensive sometimes. He tells you what to do. So we end up going, well, let's major on the friend side, okay? And so what we end up with is what I call prom songs for Jesus on Sunday mornings sometimes in churches, and I don't like prom songs to Jesus, let me tell you what I mean. They're, they're devoid of theology, and it sounds like, look, if you can take your worship song and move two words around and Taylor Swift could sing it to her boyfriend and it worked the same way, I don't like it. I'm just being honest with you. Okay? I want songs loaded with truth and theology, and I'm thankful that men and women that lead our church in worship at all of our campuses are committed to biblical songs full of biblical theology to sing. I'm grateful for that. But how you end up with prom songs to Jesus is what I call it. I don't mean that offensive. Prom songs are great, just not for Jesus. Is that you end up with him as your BFF. He's just my friend. He's my friend and I love him and he loves me. And, and, and he makes me feel good. And, and he's, he's that Jesus for me. And, and you know what you end up with? You end up with both of those. If you go one way or the other, you end up with not the biblical Jesus. You end up with a tyrant that you begrudgingly acquiesce to his wishes, or you end up with a buddy. So what you end up with friend Jesus and no king is you end up with all the affection and no authority. You got a friend that doesn't tell you what to do. 
And over here, you've got a king that tells you what to do, but you don't love him. And you're not sure if he loves you. Now, what I want to show you is what the Bible actually gives us. The Bible does not want you to choose. The Bible gives you Jesus, who is both king and friend. And we obey him as king, and we enjoy him as friend. And did you know that theologians throughout the ages will tell you that one of the reasons Jesus saved you is for friendship with him? From Augustine, to Luther, to Calvin, to Spurgeon, to Piper. To enjoy him forever. To enjoy your relationship with Jesus. And so, whatever side of this you fall on today, I want us to find the equilibrium that, that, blessed, that honors Jesus and brings us joy. And we're going to find that in his farewell address to his disciples, which did not happen at the Last Supper. That wasn't a farewell address. The farewell address happened from the walk from where they had the Last Supper to Gethsemane, where he would pray during that walk with torchlight dancing off his eyes. He spoke to his disciples the words we're going to read today, his farewell address. And in that last thing he wanted them to remember was this concept. And you will find king and friend talking to us today. Are you all ready? We love the Bible, right? Let's dive in. Here's what it says. John 15. These things I've spoken to you, and here's the purpose of this information. That my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Well, that's good news. Jesus wants his relationship with you to be full of joy. But that has requirements. And watch how he starts. Verse 12, he is speaking as a king. I want you to watch the interplay between king and friend. Y'all watch for it. You ready? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. What does that sound like? A king. Because do friends command? Look, I got a lot of good friends. I got a small group that's both men and women. And my buddies, when I get there, I've never had Lance or Dennis or David or any of my friends. I, they don't look at me and go, hey, before we leave tonight, I've got about three or four commands that you're going to need to follow the rest of the week. That's not how we talk to each other. That's, we're friends. We're not, he's not, they're not kings. But this is Jesus saying to them, I'm the boss. I'm the king. This is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. But now verse 13, we move to friend. Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then, just so we're not confused, verse 14, you are my friends. And here's a mark of that friendship. If you do what I command you. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants. What is a servant? Now we see king and friend being interplayed. Who has servants? Help me out. Kings. He's not leaving behind servant. Don't, don't misunderstand the language. He's not saying you're not a servant at all. He's saying you're not only a servant. He's not saying he's not a king anymore. He's saying, but I'm not only king. I am more. So he says, I don't call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you what, church? Friends. For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Now, how does he do that? The Word. If you are wondering why I was doing this strange thing with my Bible, that's how he does that. Through his Word. Okay? Verse 18. Here's how it happened. This is important. This is theology, theology, theology. You ready? You did not choose me. I chose you 
and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Abide. That's a part of friendship with Jesus, we'll see. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Man, I, can't, I, I just can't love those verses more. The friendship that we're offered from King Jesus. And I love that in his farewell address, he's like, don't you forget, while wearing the crown of kingship, I extend the hand of friendship to you. And he does not have to take off his crown to offer you his hand. Okay? It's both. So I thought, let's answer the question and see what we see in these verses about what kind of friend Jesus is. Because we all have friends and you all have different kinds of friends. You've had Good friends and friends that have hurt you and friends that lied to you and friends that were there for you and friends that had your back. You got funny friends and solid friends and you have boring friends. You have friends you know if they call you, you got 15-minute conversation, it'll feel like you talk for three days because they just suck the life right out of you. But you love them. You got all kinds of friends. And then you got friends when they call you like, I can't wait. And you always are like, I feel better after that. Friends, what kind of friend is Jesus first? Jesus always tells the truth. Now, even your best friends don't always tell you the truth. And I mean actively. So what this means is sometimes they withhold the truth from you because they still want to be your friend. So this is why Proverbs tells us if you ever find a friend who will tell you the truth, you better hold on to them. They really love you. Because most of the time, we don't tell everything. Like, we, we, we don't want to hurt one another's feelings. Not when we're friends. We want to hold on to the friendship. So it's so hard for us to be really honest. Jesus is the friend who will hurt your feelings. Just get ready. And he always tells the truth. I can't tell you how valuable that is. Again, in his word, he'll never lie to you. He's never lied to you. He never will lie to you. And if you will seek him, you will find that his truth is for you. He wants you to have the truth. Now, what this means is sometimes if you have a consistent walk with Jesus... He will tell you sometimes what you want to hear because it's so encouraging and you think, oh, I needed that bad. But I want you to know Jesus will always tell you what you need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear. Because there's times I've had my time with Jesus in the mornings and I left going, man, I needed that one. I'm so encouraged. Other times I left going, I think someone just punched me in the face. Jesus is your friend that will get in your grill sometimes, that won't let up. He's the friend who just won't stop getting in your business. And that's good. You can always trust Jesus. And he wants you to trust him. In fact, remember what he says. When you begin to learn the rhythm of king and friend Jesus and both come together, you will have joy like you wouldn't believe. It's a really good thing to serve a good king and be his friend. That's pretty amazing. So Jesus always tells us the truth. Secondly, in that truth... This is another thing. The reason he'll always tell you the truth is he always has his own glory. Now, who gets glory? Kings. So he always has his glory, but he's also your friend and your best in mind. And the two never have to compete. Because what is your best brings him glory. So you can just trust that what Jesus, your friend, is doing in your life is ultimately for your good and will bring him great glory. He's a king. He gets glory. But he's your friend. He wants the best for you. And here's the deal. Your best friends actually have no idea what's best for you. Did you know that? Human friends are limited. They can maybe give you advice, but they don't know what's best for you. They can do their best, but they're humans. And I don't know, I'm your pastor. I don't know what's best for you all the time. Like that is beyond my ability. That's why I preach from the word. I'm just give you my opinions. What I say doesn't matter. 
It's Jesus and his word. So my job is to try my best to get the truth to you that Jesus has said. And, and here's the thing. He is a friend who not only wants what's best for you, he knows what's best for you. So when Jesus tells you something, even if you're like, that makes no sense at all. Like if you come to me and I tell you something and you go, what Chris just said makes no sense at all. It may be because it actually makes no sense at all. Because I'm a human. It may be stupid. It could be. I'm telling you, I have that propensity. I could give you advice and you're like, that's crazy. And I would have to go, possibility. But Jesus will never advise you wrongly. And it may not make sense to you what he is saying. But it's always for your good and his glory. So Jesus is the friend. If he says do it, you should just do it. My friends I put on the screen a minute ago, oh, they got me in all kinds of messes with their ideas. Jesus, you can always trust what he says for you. Thirdly, this is important too, you can always be the real you with Jesus. In fact, he taught a crowd and his disciples one day, when you pray, he said, don't put on the theatrics. Don't put on an act. Don't do all your voices. He says, don't repeat yourself over and over again. He literally gets that specific. You can tell what got on Jesus' nerves. <laughs> he says, just talk to me. Just pray. I told you, some of y'all this story before, man. I grew up, my grandfather's brother was J.W. And old J.W., he'd come over, man. He's just a country guy from Mississippi. And he was country. He's one of those that didn't move his mouth a lot. You know, his kind of lips kind of like this when he talked. And, uh, but you know what? When we would ask him to pray for the meal, suddenly King James from England rolled into the kitchen. <laughs> suddenly, thou shall. And his kids were just like. <laughs> and uh, he, he was just doing the best he could. But like Jesus would say, oh, you don't have to do all that. Just be you. In fact, your friends, you can wear your human friends out. They don't want to hear all your problems all the time. Sometimes just be happy, even fake it, you know, right? Or you, your friends, they will, like, stop answering if you just wear them out. You can't wear Jesus out. Good news. You cannot wear Jesus out. He says you bring all of your junk, even if it doesn't make sense, even if you've asked me a million times. He says just bring it. Watch this, because he cares for you. Bring all your burdens. You will never wear him out. You'll never wear out. You're welcome. You can just be you with Jesus. Isn't that good news? But be warned, these two go together since he's a king. He's the friend who won't leave you that way, though. You can be yourself, come just as you are, but he will never leave you that way. Jesus transforms his friends. My good friend and student minister, T.C. Brown, here at Three Circle Church Fairhope, and he does help with all the campuses, T.C. said a phrase years ago, and I just love it. He uses it with our students all these years. He will say, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. That's just good, okay? I think he heard me say that at some point, somewhere along the way. I'm just kidding. No. It's all TC. That's so good. It's also biblical. The Bible says in Proverbs, walk with the wise, you become wise. Walk with fools, you suffer harm. So watch this. We all know as humans that when we hang out with people, they can change us, can't they, for the good or the bad. But Jesus guarantees that if you're his friend, he will transform you. He's the friend that moves into your house and you wake up the next day and he remodeled the whole house without your permission. He will mess with you. He will change you. He will transform you. He will make you more like him. If you are his friend, 
He won't leave you like you are. And then finally, he told them, he said, if you pay attention, what's going to happen is I'm about to prove to you I'm your friend with the cross. Jesus proved his friendship on the cross. Now, I bet many of you have never looked at the cross as an act of friendship. But I'm not on shaky, thin theological ice here. Because from Augustine to Piper, so from way back to now, theologians have pointed to the cross and Calvary as an act of friendship. Why? Because we're talking about the interplay between king and friend. Kings don't die for people. People die for kings. Kings don't serve people. Kings get served. So Jesus, with the crown firmly in place, looks at his followers and all of us, and he says to them, no greater love has a friend for his friends. He himself said, the cross is my act of friendship for you. I'm going to walk out of that grave three days later because I'm the king. I'm walking out of that grave because a nail can't hold me to a cross and a tomb can't keep me in a grave. But I'm going to bleed and die for you naked hanging on a tree. And I'm going to let them beat me. And I'm going to let them spit on me because I'm your friend. And I've got you. And I'm going to cover you because I'm your friend. The great act of friendship. Now, if this is what Jesus means as friend, how do we express our friendship with him? If we're his friends and he's made all this possible, well, how do we express it? Number one, we express our friendship with Jesus by spending time with him through prayer and the word. You spend time with your friends. You make it happen. You figure it out. I treasure my friendships and we spend time together. And sometimes, like, as adults, you realize you're not hanging out all the time, so you try to go, hey, once a month, once every two months, let's talk, let's text, let's get together if we can. And you, what you do is you nurture the friendship. The beautiful thing about Jesus is you have access to him all the time. So watch this. This is a big one. You're as close to Jesus as you want to be. You're as close to Jesus right now as you want to be because the Bible gives you this access. You ready? Draw near to him. He'll draw near to you. He's, you're never going to call Jesus and get his voicemail. Hello, guys. This is Jesus of Nazareth. I'm having a busy day today, but if you'll leave a message, I'll call you back as soon as I can. Shalom. You're never getting that one. He is always available. You spend time with him. As your friend. Secondly, we express our friendship with Jesus through obedience to his commands. That's, that's because he, notice, he says, if you're my friend, you'll obey me. Because friends with Jesus know that he's king. See the interplay? He does not let you separate them. He's not going to let you put king Jesus over here and friend Jesus over there. Nope, 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 nope. He's king and friend together. So if you're his friend, you follow his commands. Obedience. Thirdly, we express our friendship with Jesus by treasuring him. We value him. I value my friends. My best friend, my greatest friend ever is my wife. And I value our friendship. I treasure. She's, she's a treasure on this earth to me. Do you treasure? Is he priority to you? Do you treasure him? Fourthly, though, we, we, listen, you can treasure things that you don't enjoy. You can treasure something that you don't delight in. So finally, we express our friendship. And many great theologians beyond my abilities have fleshed this out beautifully. We express our friendship with Jesus by delighting in him. In 
enjoying him. One of the great catechisms of our faith is to know him and enjoy him forever. Do you enjoy him? I, look, I enjoy my friends. It brings me joy. It's the greatest joy. Look, just talking, you can have all the money, all the stuff, all the success in this world. Just give me friends. Truly, humans are awesome. And Jesus offers us friendship with him. But it doesn't get any better than that. Folks, it does not get any better than that. This is the, the gospel is not just a theological construct. It is a human relational experience. And he's king and he's friend. And how did this all happen? How did we become friends with Jesus? Romans. For if while we were enemies, that's who we were, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more. Now that we're reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've now received reconciliation. How in the world do we get to be friends with Jesus? We broke the friendship. God reconciled it in his own son. I thought that I would share with you the way Jesus has been a good friend to me. And sometimes you hear preachers tell stories, and there's two little things that happen a lot with preacher stories. Okay, sometimes the preacher ends up being the hero of the story. Kind of looks good in the story, right? So I try to tell you stories that don't make me look so good, okay? And that's easy because that's most of my illustrations, all right? That's the easy thing. Secondly, sometimes preacher will tell a story and you're like, man, that was just too perfect for that sermon. But I want to tell you that this one really, this, this, this is for real, Okay? Jesus reminded me of how good of a friend he is. And I'm just going to be human for a second with you, like real transparent. I've had a really rough couple of weeks in about a million different ways. Heavy, dark, dark, okay? Sat with a couple who the wife is fighting vicious cancer. Cried in their living room with them just last night. Just heavy. So I woke up this morning, got my coffee. I walked out, and uh, my, two of my kids had had a bunch of friends over there all watching TV and stuff. So there's people, humans, laying in my living room asleep where I normally pray. I can't do that. But my, my, my other son is off with friends, so his room was available. So I'm like, that's where I'll pray this morning. It's still dark outside, super early. I walk in his room. I turn on the light, and I'm like, first of all, i got to pray that a creature doesn't come out of this mess and attack me. But anyway... I sit down on his bed and I begin to pray and I get two minutes in and the dam of my heart broke wide open and I couldn't even get words out, lips quivering. I'm not a crier. I'm crying like a baby. I just had nothing left. And I said to the Lord, I prayed, I said, I have got to preach today to your people and I take it seriously that you're our friend and I don't, I can't feel anything right now and I don't know what to say. I, I got all the words. I just feel like I can't say it. And I said these where I said, I don't think I can do this today. I'm just being honest. I said, Lord, I don't think I can do this today. My phone sitting on my son's table vibrated. I was like, does it again. And I got permission to do this. I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. This is what was on my phone. 6.30 in the morning, still dark outside. My friend Sean Lovejoy lives in Birmingham, Alabama. And the second I said the words, I can't do this today, that phone vibrated, and this is what he said. Praying for you right now. He's in Birmingham. He does not call me on Sundays. He calls me every now and then on a Sunday night. How did everything go? He's been my friend. He's a pastor. He's preached in our church. 
I said, you have absolutely no, no idea how perfect that timing was. Notice I can't even spell was wise, my friend. Thank you. He said, watch this. I woke up, I woke up and literally felt moved to pray specifically for you. I said, I'm in prayer right now. And I just said to the Lord in prayer, I don't think I can do this today. And I got your text. Thank you for being obedient. He said, swing for the fence for that one family that's showing up for the first time hopeless. So here's how I'm going to end today, and i got nothing else to say. Let me tell you how good of a friend Jesus is. This morning, my king woke up a friend in Birmingham to text me right then that he was praying for me. That's how good he is as a friend. It's Jesus. And I want you to experience him as your friend. Jesus, thank you for your word. Today, I pray that we as Christians will walk with you as king and friend to your glory and our joy.